All right. You guys see it? It's there. Cool. All right, let's take a look here. Revelation chapter 3, pick it up in verse 7 this morning. As we read this, I want you guys just to think about a church. We've been considering these different churches and what Jesus had to say about these churches. In all of them, he had some things against them, except for Smyrna and then Philadelphia this morning. But I want you guys to think as we read through this, this is a church that has opportunity. They have a door that is open. So as we read this, think about that, a church with an open door. So we'll pick it up in Revelation 3, verse 7 here. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to preserve. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, a new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches you guys love this or what? Did you guys catch it? Jesus introduces himself as holy. Okay? He is ho do you guys know he is so holy? How many times do we read in the Bible that he is holy, holy, holy? Right? Not even holy, holy is enough. He needs three holies. He's like completely set apart as being holy, holy other. And I have a hard time, brothers and sisters, when we make Jesus in our own image. Okay, we've been made in the image of God created for his glory. And that's why we as Christians, as his kids, as believers are being sanctified and becoming more like him. We should never bring him down. He is holy, holy, holy. And he's not going to change for anybody, guys. But because he is holy, 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 we're going to change because he is worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen? So he's holy, he's true, okay? Athanas is the Greek word. If you look into it, it is a strong word. It means that he is uh, completely trustworthy. He is real, genuine. There's no falseness at all when it comes to who Jesus is. So when he tells us that he is holy, that he is true, you betcha. And then he also tells us what? He has the keys of David, you guys can jot down Isaiah 22, 22. And it talks about a man there, Eliakim. He was a faithful steward to his king, 
Hezekiah. And I love this man, guys, because he was the palace administrator. He was given the keys so that if anybody wanted to come before the royal palace king throne to actually see him, guess who they had to go through? Eliakim. He was the only one who allowed anybody into the presence of the king. If you wanted to see him, you had to go through him. Well, guess what, guys? Jesus is the only way, right? Did you guys see here? Who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. He, Jesus, he's the one who does this. We all know John 14, 6, right? He is the way. Jesus, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. So if you placed your hope in yourself to make it to heaven one day, you're going to be very sorry one day when you see your maker face to face. Or if you placed your hope in any other God but God himself, Jesus Christ. So we also read, you guys can jot down Romans chapter 5. The first couple of verses, listen carefully. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Isn't that awesome? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? I sure hope so. Because the world wants to be at peace with their maker. And they're not going to have peace with God unless they've bowed the knee to him. And once you have put your faith in him, you receive his, faith, or his peace. And there's nothing like it. That's what we want. And because of that, we also have access to him. What a privilege to be able to pray with you guys. You know, spontaneous prayer service. Love it. And why were we able to do that? Because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We know that we have access to this throne of grace. We can boldly come before him as we are because of him and who we are in him. So never take that for granted, brother and sister. So as we consider this, it's not only that Jesus holds the keys and is the way to salvation. He also holds the keys in the ways of our lives. You guys know that. He cares for you. I want us all to turn to Psalm 139 together. This has been a psalm that grabbed a hold of my heart 20 years ago. And it is a psalm I have re revisited on a regular basis. It has spoken so much into my life. And I pray as we just consider uh, this psalm together here, that will also encourage you and speak to your life that God can be trusted. So take a look with me here in Psalm 139. O Lord, King David writes, you have searched me and you have known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before.
before and laid your hand upon me? Such knowledge, it is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I can't even attain it. And where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the most utter parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb and I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me. And when as yet there were none of them. And how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great the sum of them. And if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Don't you guys love it? Guys, God is sovereign. He knows it all. He is at work. You see, over us, he's in control. He's sovereign. Over our circumstances, he's in control. He is sovereign. And he has sovereign good plans. Do you guys believe that? That God has good in view? Man, if you love him and are called according to his promise or his purposes, he promises that he's going to work things out for the good. Romans 8, 28. That's a little cliche as a Christian. Of course, we all know that scripture. Great. Do you believe that scripture? I hope so. Because it is a promise. And he is faithful to his promises. All the promises in Christ Jesus are what, guys? Yes and amen. So, we see here, for our usefulness in his glory, he is sovereign over everything in our lives. And aren't you guys glad? I am so glad. Let me tell you what. I wish at times that I could make myself more like Jesus have you guys tried really hard in your flesh to do that? How's that worked out for you? Right? Aren't you guys glad that his spirit is within us and working and sanctifying? That he has promised to complete a work in us? Man, I'm so thankful. Because left up to me, man, I probably wouldn't be a part of a church family. Left up to me, I would have fallen so long ago. But because I'm his kid, He's faithful to spank my butt when I need it. He disciplines. Aren't you guys glad for that? Nobody likes it, but we know it's right. 
We know discipline is needed. And he is so faithful and so good. And even in the times we're tripping over crazy seasons or circumstances in our lives, can you guys look back with me? Has God been faithful to see you through all that crazy? He is. It's hard looking forward because we don't know all the ifs, what ifs. But man, check the record. He's faithful, guys. Look at verse 8 here. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it, for you have little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Wow. What an opportunity for service and witness here. Check out Philadelphia with me for a second. I'm not talking about that city who have some eagles in it. Okay, you guys, there's actually multiple Philadelphias in the United States. You guys can check it out. We're talking again about these seven churches that we find in Asia Minor. And I love Philadelphia. Many of you have studied these letters from Jesus before. And we're all like, yeah, aren't you so glad we're the church of Philadelphia? To be honest with you guys, I've resonated a lot more with Ephesus. Okay. A lot of things from every single one of the churches is really spoken to my, of course we want to be Philadelphia. God says nothing wrong about them. You know, hey, even though you're small, you've kept my word. That's us. Yay. We like the word at freedom. We're a small church. This must be talking about us. What I want to hit on though, and I love that my mom prayed this, talking about perfection. Have you guys met the perfect Christian yet? No. Okay, let me ask a harder question. Have you met the pa- perfect pastor yet? No. no. Why was that louder? <laughs> so think about that with me for a second. There is no perfect church. Why? Because there aren't perfect saints. Not this side of heaven yet. We know when we once get there, we're home with him. We will be as he is, 1 John 3, 3. But... Until then, we're all a work in progress. And that's why we need to be gracious to one another. But the thing that I've loved in studying this week, studying the Church of Philadelphia, guys, even though we, the people that make up the church, are imperfect, in God's eyes, the church is what? Perfect. And that's one thing that's really resonated with me. Man, God, how do you see us? How do you see us? You see us as perfect. And despite us, you're even going to open doors. You're going to have an open door for us. Even though we're messy at times and we miss the mark at times, you're still going to have an open door for us to walk through. How cool is that? So considering Philadelphia for a second, I know I've given a little bit of background. I'm not going to get into great detail for time's sake this morning. But it was, again, a gateway to the east there in Asia Minor. Um, They had a lot of great things, highways that went through that made it very easy for trade again. Um, It had been built in intention of really being uh, set up to be a missionary city. Okay, But they got a lot of roots in Hellenism. Uh, that, that came out of this city big time. 
But I look at this, and perhaps this was the open door that Jesus was speaking of because the particular location and situation that the church there in Philadelphia had found themselves, there was great missionary possibility. I think back not that many years here in our own country, we began to have an impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world at large. The church took very seriously an opportunity. Guys, we've been the most blessed nation in history when you talk about, let's say, wealth, prosperity. In the church, we're filthy rich. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Some of you guys look at our budget and you're like, we're not rich, Pastor. (laughs) But look what we're able to do. You know, we might think we're poor, but we have a lot. And God has blessed us so much that we've been able to go through these open doors and share the gospel with really most of the world. And we see today that there are thousands upon thousands of churches now that have been planted, that people are being equipped and trained. And now these countries we once went to, they're now sending missionaries where? Back here, because we need it now. I mean, how sad, but praise God, you know, that God hasn't given up on us either, okay? He has a burden for who? All people, all nations. So, this open door, what an opportunity. And the question I'd like to pose to all of you guys is what open door has God put before you? Great letter, but unless we get real with ourselves, in light of this letter... We're wasting our time here. What door has God placed before you personally? Do not tell me that there is not one because there's an open door in your life to be a witness for Jesus Christ. There is. But there's not, Pastor. Walk out your front door, go to your neighbor and knock on their door. Not that hard. There's opportunity everywhere we turn. Instead of laying down your political junk or funny memes on Facebook, share the gospel. You have five million friends on Facebook for a reason. Yeah, I see some of you. How do you guys even know that many people? It's crazy. But you're friends with everybody. Let them hear the gospel. So, one that fits your unique circumstances. God knows you, and he's not going to put a door before you that's open to something that is not according to your giftings, your calling, your uniqueness, who you are, and where God has you. Okay, He's going to open a door for you that fits you. And I think of Philadelphia here. He's speaking to this church. There's a door for you guys. So you are a missionary. Some of us, well... I support missionaries, you know, I give my hundred bucks a month to support a brother or sister out there doing their thing on a campus somewhere or overseas somewhere. Guys, we're all called to be missionaries. That's biblical. It's not for someone else to do. We're all called to this ministry. But you say, but I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. I'm not strong enough. Guys, that's kind of the point. Are you reading what I'm reading? You guys seeing what Jesus, that's the point. Because you have little strength. But I'm not strong enough yet. 
You're probably not going to be. I've preached over 2,000 sermons in my life. Going on three pretty quick here. This guy still gets butterflies before he opens the word of God every single time before. Even if I'm up in the jail and only two other guys show up, guess who's still nervous? I'm still nervous. Guys, when we're weak, he's strong. Do you guys get that? He is faithful. Lord, you're asking me to step into this. It's a little overwhelming, a little scary. I don't even know how to begin a spiritual conversation. That's okay, daughter. That's okay, son. Just step through the door. Have you guys ever have God just open a door and he's just like, whoa, this person's wanting to talk to me about Jesus. What's going on? Opportunities. And he's going to make them, guys. I want to look at 1 Corinthians with you. If you turn with me to chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And again, I want us to remember Jesus saying here to the church in Philadelphia, it's because you have little strength or you have little power. It's because of that. Look at that. We might be small, but there's a power there. There's a strength, even though it might be little. But what does the scriptures tell us? Well, here in 1 Corinthians 1, pick it up in verse 26 with me. It says, for you see your calling brethren. That means sistren too. You girls don't get out of this. That's, that's inferring you too. That not many wise to the flesh, and they're not many mighty, not many mo- noble are called. But aren't those the ones that we want to see get saved? Wouldn't that be awesome? And I pray that way a lot. You guys heard me pray before. Lord, what about these countries in the world that are hostile towards Christianity? What if their leaders got saved? I pray that way a lot. But what does God say in his word? There aren't many. There aren't many who are wise, who are noble, that are called mighty. But verse 27 tells us God has chosen what? The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised or are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't you guys love that? I hope that whole section is highlighted in your Bibles. So the open door was for Christ's doing. You guys get that? 
It's his doing. It's for his glory. And he's the key. That's what is being laid down here for us in this letter to the Philadelphian church. He is the strength. Okay, 1 Peter, you guys can look up here on the screen. Chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, it is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, it is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus will supply the strength. He has opened the door. And will you walk through it? Will you walk through it? That's all we're called to do, right? Walk by faith and not by sight. God, you've opened the door. What's on the other side of that door? I'm not really sure. But if he's opened it, you know that you can walk in it, through it, by faith. But the opposition is so great. People are offended by us as Christians. Talk about whatever. Just don't mention Jesus. It's morals. It's Eclusivity. Verse 9 tells us what? Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Real quick, I'm going to lay down the synagogue of Satan and what it's not. I think I've told you guys before, I'm part of a revelation group on Facebook. They are nuts. Oh boy, they hate the Jewish people. They actually say in their thing that these Jews are of the synagogue of Satan. One thing it's not, guys, it's not a statement about Jews or Judaism. Let me make that very, very clear to you. There's two possibilities. A lot of people have conjecture to what this is speaking of. Accomplices with Rome. You guys know that they were implicit with the murder of the Apostle Paul. Okay, they had their stuff going on. Um, whatever. Powered Christians who had converted. Maybe it's referring to. Not really sure. But there is the reality of a very real enemy. And then it says about those who say they are Jews and are not. I love the context of this because Christ and his followers will be vindicated. Do you guys understand that? Do you guys know that every knee will bow and profess Jesus as Lord? It's going to happen, guys. Better to do it in this life than in the next. And if you haven't personally bowed your knee to him now, humbly, willfully, <laughs> you need to. Because let me tell you what, guys, if you do it later, after this life, it's going to be way too late. Way too late. Time is limited. Today is the day to be a faithful witness. And that's why we're here. I love the idea of the rapture. Man, I'm saved! Jesus, take me home! That's great! Let me escape from all the junk of this world! Don't you guys wish that you just got raptured the second you believed? I believe! 
believe you, Jesus. Woo! I'm seeing you face to face, Jesus. This is awesome. But he's left us here for one purpose. And what is that one purpose, guys? Man, to make him known. Man, you are light. You are salt. Go. My last commandment. <laughs> Go into all the world. Right? And I'm not going to have you do it on your own. I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to endow you with power from on high to be witnesses of me. Right here, Kakana, Fox Valley, to the entire world. That's what he wants us to be doing, a part of his mission. Didn't he come to save, to seek the lost? Man, I know a whole lot of lost people, and I got some good news for them. That's why we're here, guys. So look at verse 10. Because you have kept my command and preserve, or to preserve, I've also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So, refers to the tribulation period and maybe a reference here to the rapture. Okay? Pre-trib. You look into some of the Greek words that are used. Ek, not en, or dia. Literally, guys, when it says here, my command to preserve, normally that's in the present tense. We as believers, perseverance of the saints, we're going to keep going on. And I see people that use this scripture for a proof text for, hey, you know, pre-trip, nope, trip later, or rapture later, pre-trip, rapture, all that stuff. It's so cool if you just look into the Greek, because the word here, the command to preserve, is in the past tense. So you did preserve, you did believe, you did keep the faith. And because you did, I'm going to keep you from this crazy trib that's going to take place upon the earth. Okay? So again, at Freedom here, we roll in believing in the rapture. Why? Not because somebody made it popular 200 years ago by the name of John Darby. Where did John Darby get the thought, the idea? I think he just read the Bible. Okay? I tell you guys a mystery. Don't ignore this, the Apostle Paul said. Okay? The sound of the trump of God, it's going to sound. Jesus is going to say, come up here. He's going to catch us up. Okay? To be caught up with him. Harpazo. Raptoros. Rapture. Well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You guys know the word trinity is not in the Bible? And don't we believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I don't know why anybody's done this. Dave, you like writing books. Write another book on the Trinity in the book of Revelation. Talk about any book in the Bible that lays out the Trinity so clearly. The book of Revelation, it's all over. And I don't know why people don't teach it. It's ridiculous. Read your Bibles. Just because the word Trinity is not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not true. It's taught all over the place. Anyways, I'm totally sidetracked. Point is, <laughs> Jesus is going to take us home one day. We'll talk about that in two weeks. I'll teach on the rapture when we're done with the letters. It'll be fun. Look at verse 11 with me. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one takes your what? Your cookie? <laughs> your crown. Isn't it crazy the things we trip out about? Oh, they might take this from me. It's like a cookie. Who cares? Share. This is a crown. Crowns are cool. Who gets the crown? 
It's the king, the queen. Man, you guys are kings and queens. Think about that. That's pretty awesome. And why? Because you're part of King Jesus' family. That's why we're royalty, guys. Wow. We get a crown. Check out 2 Timothy chapter 4 with me. Because I think there's an urgency. If he says, behold, I'm coming quickly in verse 11. So hold fast to what you have that no one takes your crown. There's an urgency for the need to persevere here. And then we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of what? Righteousness which is, or which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Wow, do you guys eagerly wait for his appearing? I sure do. I sure do. You know, there's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors to teach, teaching today that the Lord's not going to appear. Where do they get that from? Man, he's coming back. Do you guys know that? He is coming back. He told us in his word over and over again. He came the first time just like he said. Do you think he's joking about the second time he's coming back? No way. So in the end, guys, it will be worth sticking with and being faithful to Jesus. That's what I see here. Stick with him to the end. Brother, sister, do not let go of him. Finish the race. How many have we seen walk away? What happened? And what sin did they get entangled with? Who bewitched them from the truth of the gospel? Man, keep the faith to the end. And it tells us here that he is holy. He's the holy one who is the real thing. And he holds the keys. So he's the only thing worth building our lives on. Solid rock or sifting sand. Shifting sand. Your choice, right? I'm going to stick with the rock of my salvation, Jesus Christ. So true security here are found in him. So when some people came to the end of their lives and had been faithful servants to the city there, Philadelphia, in their nation, their names were engraved on some of these pillars of these false temples. Why, did, why were their names actually put in these stone pillars? So they would endure, right? Their legacy would go on. But they were going on to what? False gods. So we see in verse 12 here, he who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of my city of my God. So a city built here in Philadelphia was near volcanoes and they had erupted they had destroyed everything there before and they would rebuild that's one thing we saw when we were in israel how often things were conquered destroyed earthquakes whatever and they rebuilt on top of and rebuilt and rebuilt that's just what they did uh, in the ancient world well once it was rebuilt and renamed in gratitude to neo caesarea okay but the name didn't stick so, uh, let's move on, verse 12. The last part, it says, The new Jerusalem, it's going to come down from heaven, from God, 
and I will write on him a new name. So Jesus used the lures and dangers of their own place and time to point to a better place in a better time. Where are you placing your stop, guys? Is it in the here and now? My nice house, my nice neighbors, my nice community, my nice city. Where's your hope? For which are you guys living? Is this a legitimate question? I want to conclude our time this morning in the book of Hebrews. Let's turn to chapter 11 together. Our youth have been studying Hebrews 11, the hall of faith there. In the light of asking the question, what are we living for? Which, the here and the now? (laughs) Or are we living for this better place, better time, heaven, eternity? I want to pick it up. We'll look at Abraham first in verse 8 of Hebrews 11 by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has no foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then jump all the way down to verse 24. Let's look at Moses now. And by faith, Moses, when he had become of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, For he looked to what? The reward. Jump back to verse 13 with me now. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embraced them and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In verse 16. But now they desire a better That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Isn't that cool? Let us be, brother and sister, people of faith. Man, the just shall live by faith. So Jesus alone is holy, true, and in control. Let us trust and obey him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these letters. Thank you for what you had spoken to the church in Philadelphia. There are definitely things that we desire as your people. We want to be those who continue to keep your word, continue to profess your name, those who are willing to walk through whatever door you may open, God. We know the hour is late. We know it's getting a whole lot darker out there. But there is still hope. There is always hope with you, Jesus. And what a privilege to be able to share that good news with others.
Help us to be bold in doing so. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's stand to our feet. Uh, Joel, I'm putting you on the spot. Would you mind coming up? There is a, a song or, or a hymn that's been blessing my heart lately. It's called Trust and Obey. We're only going to do three lines of it. And I'm going to have Joel. You know the song well? I sure do. Awesome. Jed, can you pull it up on the screen, please? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Hallelujah. Be blessed.